Hey man, good morning. Good morning. It is really tough. Um, if you if you don't mind, uh, can you all listen to me? Okay, good. Yeah, that's not a big church, so um, I think I can just you know try to do it without the microphone since what is recording is not through there. Kind of be a little a more. I don't know the word, but you know, you got it. Free. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the difficult part of preparing, and we, we actually, we try to study, and I'm sure that's pretty much uh, the way David does. Also, even because, you know, being a teacher, you, you tend to kind of think ahead and get ready, and you want to study, you want to go and try to, you know, kind of have the whole control of what you're going to be speaking about, you know, even if you're not using, and um, I don't know if I mentioned that here already or if it did, uh, the fact that, you know, you study as you were going to speak for the whole day and you actually could, but then you just have 30 minutes or so to speak. So you got to kind of get it tight and dry and take all the things that, okay, yeah, it's not really what I mean to speak that day. But the tough part of that is that, for example, this week I talked to David and he, he, you know, I was sharing a little about what I was going to be speaking. But then as I was, you know, yesterday going through the notes and and praying and trying to understand from God what he wanted me to speak about, um, it changed a little. (laughs) So um, that's also the the fun and the adventure part, you know, of... of, um, Relying on God and depending on Him to be here speaking to you. That so won't be my words, but will be His words. And so, what was the plan? The plan was basically, uh, I was going to be talking to you this morning a little on what was my final paper. It's, it, and it's basically the whole uh, theology, um, I could say, behind what we've been dreaming uh, about our ministry. Um, not only in Portugal, but here. And that's, that's what we actually believe there has to be the philosophy behind any ministry. And, and basically, um, even more when you're working with a church planting uh, focus. And the fact is that what, what we are called to do, why we are here in this world, why, why is God keeping us here in this world, if he could, you know, look, okay, I received Jesus. So in this moment, you know, God take us to glory. That would be amazing. I would, you know, <laughs> I would like that it was like that because then all the suffering and when we read about how it's going to be when Jesus comes back and we go to heaven and God creates new heaven and earth, there will be no suffering. There will be no pain. There will be no, no more tears. It is amazing. So I want to be there. I don't know about you, but I want to be there. I want to get there. I'm looking forward to that. It's just, it's already taking too long. You know, 36 years here, that's too much. You know, let's, let's go home, you know. But the thing is that God is keeping us here. And, th- and there's got to be a reason for that. There's got to be a purpose for that. And so we are following Jesus. As, as I've been speaking on other um, times, um, we got, you know, we understood that the Bible is the word of God, that who Jesus is. We surrender ourselves to him. We are following him. We're trying to do our best, you know, that to let him reshape us. Uh, that, that just to make sure that we don't stand too much on his way. Uh, but it's not only that. Because after Jesus died and rose and before he went back to heaven with God, the Father, He actually gave us the Great Commission, what is called the Great Commission, uh, which was actually His last commandment. Um, that was, therefore, go and make disciples. We're going to be talking about that somehow today, but you know, that was, that was basically the start. And I thought that I was starting there, as I, as I told David. But as I was praying yesterday about that and, and, and trying to understand more, and we just, in our world today, when we talk about, okay, we have to go, we have, 
you know, to, we want to obey Jesus. And so if he told us to go, we want to go. We want to obey. We want to be obedient. But what will drive us? Because the church knows that. Everybody here in this room knows that. Everybody that is a Christian <laughs> anywhere in the world has already, you know, eventually got through this, you know, group of verses, read that and understood that that's really clear. You have to go. You have to make disciples of all nations. And, and it's really clear. There's, you know, you don't have to be a theologian to understand what is written there. So why... Isn't the church, why aren't us doing what we are supposed to do? And the thing is, and that's what hit me um, as I was preparing for this, this morning, is the fact that maybe we're missing a drive. We're missing something that actually drives us to do it. And just a commandment should be enough. But as we've been studying um, lately in the Old Testament, we see that they already got their commandments. Moses went, got the you know, stones written by God and all the commandments. And we see that all that you know, little specifics. They knew it all. But they were not doing it every time. Why not? Because there was missing a drive. And actually, um, what I realized is that I'll, I'll go through another door to get to the same point. Is that our role, and that's what I want you to understand this morning, is that our role in this world is to love. And then it's, it, it may sound a little, um, again, the word, it's, it's tough, second language. Um, It may sound a little too, um, you know, everyone in the world would agree with us. Even people from, they are not Christians, from other religions. Even people that are not religious at all. You know, if you go to a politician and, you know, that they're really skeptical about everything, even about themselves. Uh, and you tell them that, okay, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. I believe that we are supposed to love each other. They're going to say, yes amazing that's really good yes that's why i'm here serving the country because you know I, I want to you know be loving people and all but what is that what is that for us what what does that mean for us that we are christians and we are actually told by the law as i was saying even in the old testament about that that we are supposed to love one another matthew 22 36 to 40 uh, says that a guy came to Jesus and asked him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And I was explaining that to Alvaro yesterday. He was a little frightened about that. Andressa kind of corrected me later on. Um, as I was telling him that, you know, and I was trying to put in his language saying, well, we, we actually, there are people who love things or other, even other people more than they do love God. And then I was talking about things first, you know, like playing FIFA um, at the phone or, you know, playing football or even just watching football things that Alvaro love, as you know, um, but also even our families. And then he was, you know, he kind of st stepped back and he said, well, but that's okay. We feel, you know, our families, like God and our family, you know, and I said, no, we cannot put anything in God's place. And then he was like, no, 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 it's not in God's place. It's on its side. Very good. Very clever. But then I said, no. There is only one place in the head, you know, over everything else. That is God's. And then we talked a little about Abraham and Isaac. And then Andresa said, well, he's going to be scared at night. <laughs> and I hope not. 
but he understood the concept that there is nothing in the whole world. Nothing, not even our family, not even our kids, or our wives, or our husbands, or nothing, nothing that can be. And it's written here, it's very clear. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as you do love yourself, because you do. You may think you don't, but you do. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And then in another circumstance, Luke 10, one man came to Jesus and he was like, ha, ah, but who's my neighbor? And Jesus replied to him, Luke 10, 30 to 37. And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. <coughs> and then he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. I don't have to be going through all the details because what I want is actually the big picture. You already got it. And we know how it ends that the only men, you know, passed different people, religious people, you know, other Jews like that man. They passed by the man. No one helped. But then there was a Samaritan. And the good part of that is if you go back a little in the book of Luke, a little before the chapter 9, they were being persecuted by the Samaritans. They were finding a little resistance in between the Samaritans. So they were experiencing that. And then Jesus tells this story. They were like, oh, we don't like, we, you know, we were right about them. We shouldn't like them. But then Jesus tells this story about this man, this Samaritan man that went through that road and saw that man, helped him. And then Jesus asked the listener, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. The thing here that I think is amazing is that he already got it. He already knew it. He was an expert and he gave the right answer. So he got it in him. The problem was that he was not really looking to that. He was trying to find a way to sneak, you know, like, how can I find a way not to do it? I know that I have to love my neighbors, but, you know, how can I shrink it? In a way that I don't have to love all these people because, you know, it takes a lot. So I just want to, you know, if I can shrink it, shrink it, shrink it, I'll do it. So I'm just trying to find a way to let people out. Oh, no, no, he's not my neighbor. Why not? He doesn't live in Tandragi. Okay, out. Okay, he doesn't go to table. Okay, out. You know, he, he's not Brazilian. Okay, amazing. I just have to love a couple of people here then. <laughs> <coughs> just trying to find a way to keep people out because loving is tough. It's difficult. It's not easy. But he knew it. He got it. And he got the, the right answer, saying the one who had mercy on him. And then you, might, you may think, okay, Marcus, I got that. You know, we know it. We are Christians. Okay, I have to love. And my neighbor is a little more extended. Jesus actually did the opposite. He stretched it. So to even those that you even might think, okay... You know, if you were walking down the street, you see, you know, some guy from Republic of Ireland lying on the floor. Say, like, I'm not going to help him. Help yourself. <laughs> or, or, as I, or as I've heard, or as I've heard this week, you know, that's it. It's coming. You're going to have to go home. But that's the thing. You go and you stretch it. You stretch it. And you go like, okay, you have to help anyone. It doesn't matter who it is. Even if it's someone that you could think or you <laughs> could be told that they are kind of, maybe not your enemy, but you know, someone that you don't have any other reason to like. I have reasons to like you. You're a nice guy. <laughs> but that's, you know, Jesus stretched it. But then he gave even a step further. By saying, but not only your neighbors, also your enemies. Matthew 5, 
43, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay, because then someone could actually tell Jesus now, okay, Jesus, as I'm trying to let people out, okay, I understand that my neighbor is not really only my neighbor, can be a little stretched, but okay, it's written that I have to hate my enemy. So, okay, at least my enemy I'm able to keep. So I'm just trying to make more enemies now that, you know, I don't have to love as many people. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be my children, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the righteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Are not even the evil people doing that? People there are going against everyone, but they care of their own. They love their own. And if you are great only to your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do you not even pagans do that? And there's a thing, um, it's all over the world, not only in Brazil, that we talk about politicians and all, and when politicians, they nominate someone that is from you know, their friends or their family, no, you cannot do that. You cannot do that. And there are even laws, you know, at least in Brazil, regarding to that, saying that you cannot nominate anyone from your family to your office, or if they're, if they're really close friends, there's no law against that, but that would be awkward. You know, the press would come all over you. And it's actually happening in Brazil right now as the new government stepped in. But it doesn't matter. Even the politicians, they try to do it. They're good to their own people. They may not be good to all the people, to the whole country. They may not be even there caring about all the others, but they care about their own. Even the robbers, even people there, you know, they, they would kill for money or for some possession. They would get into people's house and do whatever they want. But they are doing it because they want to give their kids, their family, a better life or better things. They are good to their own. So if you're just being good to your own people, you're not better than those people. So at verse 48, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Wow, be perfect. Tough, tough commandment. So, the point is, what is love then? Because, to be honest, as I was um, even studying that, it was interesting to see um, the understanding of love. And in English, it gets even a little tougher. It's trickier. We're going to get there. But there are actually... In the New Testament, I'm not going to go for the Greek, because some specialists would say there were actually three different words for love. Some others will say there were six different words for love. But in the New Testament, there are two words, different words used for love. And the first word is agape, and the second word is phileo. Agape is typ typically refers to God's love. This love that Jesus is saying here, be perfect, like your father is perfect. So the perfect love. And there is also another word, philel, that is a friendship love. I love you as a friend. And it is so serious that you may think, well, there's just two different words for the same thing, but doesn't really make a difference. Um, I don't know. There are things that we use different couple of words for, uh, but doesn't really matter which word you're using, just kind of a matter of preference, you know, the word that you want to use. But that's not the case with the word love. And we can see that in John 21, when Jesus was, Jesus was talking to Peter, and you might also remember that story, when Jesus was asking Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter was saying, Jesus, you know that I love you. But Peter, do you love me? Yes, you know that I love you. But Peter, do you love me? You know that I love you. Okay, so in English, it's just boring. Because in, in Portuguese, it's the same. Because it's like, do you love me? I love you. Do you love me? I love you. Do you love me? I love you. And, and, and we, we lose a little the grasp of what was going on there. 
And I think that I was even talking to Andres about that yesterday. Um, because actually, Jesus, the first word that Jesus uses when he's saying, do you love me, is the word agape. What he meant was, do you love me with the love of God, with this perfect love? And actually, in the culture at that time, no one would say, I love you or I love him or her using the word agape. Because they would only use that word for God because God is the only one actually able to love with agape. And in another hand, we are only, if we were to love agape, we were supposed to love agape God with this perfect love. So actually what Jesus was asking Peter was, Peter, do you agape me? And, and Peter's answer was pretty obvious because it was like, you know, did I that I cannot love you with this love. The love that I can have for you is phileo. And I do love you, phileo. I, I do phileo you. You are really my friend and I love you as a friend. And then Jesus asks again using the same word. And I think that here, he, he does it a couple of times just for us to be sure that he didn't, you know, miss. Oh yeah, you know, come on, Peter, just, you know, forgive me. That, that was what I meant. You know, I was meant to ask you if you, Philel me, but you know, I just I just misunderstood the word. I just changed the word and used agape. I'm sorry for that. And wasn't it? Because he repeats again. So Peter, do you agape me? And then Peter say, Okay, Jesus, I I philel you. And then last question. You may think Jesus asked again, do you agape me? No. He goes and he says, Okay, Peter, do you philel me? And then that was when Peter says, okay, Jesus, you know everything. Actually, I'll, I'll read that for you. He said, like, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. Verse 17, you know all things. You know that I feel you. It's kind of resignant. Like, you know that that's the only thing I can do. You know, I, I cannot give you more than that. So what is agape then? Because it's tough. Again, as I was saying, it's tough to understand because in, when I say that in English, it's even tougher. Is that because when you go to the dictionary and you get the word love, love can be a noun and love can be a verb. Those two things, they're the same depending on how you're using it. Uh, in Greek and in Portuguese, there are different words uh, when it's a noun and when it's a verb. So actually, the word that Jesus was using was a verb. So when you say you shall love one another, you, you have to love your neighbor. You love your enemies. It's a verb. It's an action. And it's tough to understand that because you probably couldn't be more vague when describing an action. Because if I tell you, okay... I'm standing here before you speaking. Okay, you understand. Even, even the people that are listening now, the podcast, they know, okay, he's standing. He's not sitting in a, in a bench. He's not. It, it tells people something. But if I say, and I'm here loving you, you go like, what, what is he doing? What was he doing that he can say that he was loving them? Or if you say, oh, yeah, I saw, I saw you the other day. You were walking down the streets loving Tandragi. Couldn't be more vague. That doesn't really describe something. It's tough for us to understand what it is. Um, but the first thing that I would like you to know is that it's a verb. And I'm not going to get into English lesson. I will let that for Jennifer uh, with Andressa. But... <laughs> The thing is that there are different kinds of verbs and there are verbs, there are actives. And so it really means an action. And there are actually the, the, the verb love is a transitive active verb, which means that you cannot say, if I say I'm walking, it's good. You're walking. But if I say I'm, if I say, I'm loving, you have to ask what or who. Because you cannot love by yourself or, you know, it's not it. You have, you have to have something that you love or, some, or someone that you love. 
So that, that's what it means to be a transitive active verb, that you need a direct object. I don't know if you remember that from school. Maybe not. You don't have to. I wouldn't. You need a direct object. So it means that that's the object of your love. You love something, someone. But it is a difference between when you're speaking about a verb and a noun. And you understand that and you got that. But what is that then? This verb, this action to love. If we go to 1 Corinthians 13, very also well-known text. From verse 4 to 7, you got the explanation about what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It does not, it's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily um, angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Tough one also. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then, after reading that, you might tell yourself, okay, so if I'm being patient, I'm loving. And I can tell that I was being, you know, I was loving that person because I was being patient. Not really. You can be patient because you're being self-centered and you think that by being patient, you can get something out of that relationship or something out of what people are going to be thinking about you. And so you can actually be patient being selfish. And the thing is, is that when I started reading this, sometimes I see people breaking it, you know, parts and saying this, okay, when you're being patient, you are loving. When you're being kind, you're loving. When you're not envying, you're loving. But actually, this is a block. This is the description of what to love is. And unless you're doing all of this at the same time, this is not agape. Because agape is all of this at the same time. All of this in action. So that's why agape is reserved to God. Because it is impossible for us to do all of that. It's, maybe we could be patient eventually. Or kind to people who deserve. Not envy with people that are not envying us. Um, not be proud Whenever we don't know something, but when you know, when we know it, we know it, and all, and we could go on and on and on. But unless we are able to do all of this at the same time and do it, all of it, we are not really loving agape. So it's impossible. Okay, we got that. But it becomes possible because. We now got the Holy Spirit help to do it. Because Jesus is commanding us, be perfect. That, that's being perfect. <laughs> that's being perfect. If we read that and if we are able to do it as is written there, we are perfect. John 15, Jesus keeps talking about love. And he says that as the Father has loved me, Verse 9, John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you with this perfect love. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What love, what relationship. That's, that's the relationship Jesus had with God. Was this relationship of love. And how do we do that? Keeping the commandments. So, you know, I want to share that with you. That's Jesus saying, I want to share this love that we share in Trinity. I want to share this love with you. That's why I came. 
That's why Jesus came, because he wanted to share his love with you, with me. And that's what he wants us to do with the world. Now that we experience that, he's saying, just as I have experienced that and I came to share that with you. Now you go and you share it with the world. That's what he says here. Verse 12. So my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love, that's the tough part, has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends if you lay your life for your friends. If you lose your life. And here, it's maybe not actually dying in the sense of really dying but he means like he he went to the worst scenario possible that would be dying and you say even there helping your friend when he calls you doing something for him you know whatever it is it's not a big deal because when we look and he's talking about dying everything else is just okay piece of cake i think i can do that So I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. What fruit? Fruits of love. Because love moves things. Love is a seed that when you love someone, it's just like that. We were moved, and we are all here, moved by Jesus' love. That's what moves us into this relationship. When we realize and stroke us, and I can tell you by, you know, just by myself, when, when I actually understood that Jesus loved me and I could have a relationship with Him and that He wanted me to have a relationship with Him, that just stroke me. So he's saying, go and do the same. Strike people with God's love. Fruit that will last. You may be a good teacher. You may be a good whatever you do. But that won't last. That won't last. It will go until you retire. And just to the students that you have. Whatever you do, it doesn't matter. It won't last. But if you bear the fruit of love, that will last. Because you just lose control of it. Because when someone is touched, when someone is moved, that person will just do the same and into another, into another, into another, into another. We get that some other day. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So, when he rose from the dead, he commanded us again to love. And you can see that just as I read, we go back to the verses that I kind of quoted or told you that we would get there. Right on the beginning, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus died, rose from the dead, was there with them, was about to go back to heaven with the Father. Then he basically said the same thing that he said on John 15, but with different words when he said, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I would just like to focus here in this word 
make disciples because actually again those language changes sometimes they trick us a little and when we see here make disciples we may think that we are we're tend to believe that the verb is to make and then again another you know directed object you know make what disciples but it isn't in greek actually there is one word for that And the action is to disciple. So just as love can be a noun and can be a verb, discipling can be a noun, okay, make disciples, a disciple, but it can be I disciple. I disciple him. She disciples her. So it can be a verb. And naturally, it is a verb in the original saying, so uh, uh, maybe for just for us to understand a little better, I'll just kind of, Translate in a different way that would be, therefore go and disciple all nations and disciple the nations. To disciple is to teach and to teach what? What you've learned and what have you learned? John 15, we just read that. You've learned about love, about God's love for you. You experienced that. Now you are able to share that. So what you have to do, you go and you share that with others. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What greater love can you show someone than the greatest thing that you have ever got? That is God's love. It is, it is for me. I have to be honest with you. And I'm, I'm being 100% honest. God's love for me is the greatest thing I've ever God in my whole life. So if Jesus is telling us, go and share the best you've got. And the best I've got is God's love. So I have to go. I have to go. And I have to share that with people. So I have to go and I have to make disciples. I have to disciple people. Sometimes I think that the drive, and I go back to the beginning, that that we are missing is that we are looking at that okay you go and you disciple as something that okay an obligation i have to go yeah let's do some bible study okay yeah it's tough difficult to understand i have to study a lot in advance you know someone that i'm discipling can be asking questions that i won't be able to answer and then will be tough and then the person will be disappointed and you know it's i don't know it's not for me but actually What Jesus is telling us is to go and disciple because that's the way we show love. And to disciple is to love. It's to love that person in a way that you would die for that person to know God. Because discipling is not something that you start after the person comes to Christ. Oh yeah, let's start discipleship. To be honest, what Jennifer has been doing with the ladies in her house Friday, it is discipling. She's been teaching them about gods and creation. They're, they are not even Christians. They, you know, there's even a Muslim lady there. I'll edit that part from the audio. <laughs> But, you know, that's, that's amazing. It's amazing to see she's sharing the best thing she's got. That is God's love for her. She's just sharing that. And it is amazing because the idea is Andressa is there helping, they're, they're playing ball, you know. I've talked about that before. And it's amazing every Friday when I, I pick Andressa up, it's, she's just telling me, okay, today was amazing because of this and because of that. You should have seen the way this lady answered, the way that lady answered. It is amazing to see how aware they are. You know, they're getting aware of God and, you know, it's discipling. She's sharing the best thing. They are sharing the best thing they have. Andressa and Jennifer are sharing the best thing they have there. We are called to do that. Have you been discipling? And I'll finish uh, remembering a little of what Jesus said about that woman that stroke into a dinner he was having with other men. She just laid herself on the floor. She was crying. 
She was crying so hard that only with her tears she was able to clean his feet. And we have to remember all the streets, there was no pavement. So it was all dirt. And they used sandals. They were not using boots that you just take the boots off and your feet are clean. Maybe smelly, but clean. It was dirty. It was really dirty. So she really cried. Really cried. And then she dried his feet with her hair. And then she got a perfume that was worth it one year work. So let's just brainstorm here a little. Minimum wage here, 1,000 pounds. So 12,000 pounds in a little bottle of perfume. You can imagine that? It's more expensive than printer ink. <laughs> and she just <coughs> pours that in his feet. And, you know, you get a lot of thoughts, people criticizing all different stuff there. But the thing is, what he says is that her actions, what she's doing, shows great love. And her great love showed that she's been forgiven. People around you, they look at you and they say, oh, he's been forgiven because of the love you have. Or they're not quite sure. Because if you were forgiven, if God's love has touched you, it will just pour out of you as living water, as Jesus said to the Samaritan women at the well. If you just knew who, who is asking you water, you would ask me water. But how would you get water from the well? You don't have a bucket. You don't have a rope. You don't have nothing. How are you going to get it? You would ask me, you, and out of you would, you would be like a well with living water. Just, I just imagine those, when they, they are doing like oil perforation, and when they hit the oil, all the oil comes, start coming all over, and all becomes black on, around it. It's like that. You know, when Jesus you know, get to the bottom of us and the Holy Spirit has filled us. There's just the pressure, you know, the Holy Spirit's so big that we cannot hold it. And so it just pours out from every, you know. How have you been living? We are called and our role in this world is to love. How have you been loving your neighbors, your extended neighbors, your enemies? How have you been showing love, God's love, perfect love for them? Father God, we thank you because you have loved us with such a great love that we cannot understand. That is so much greater than we could ever do we could ever love someone like that we we are not even worth it of being loved like that but anyway you chose to love us with this perfect love and because we were loved when we were not worth it being loved we can now love our neighbors our extended neighbors we can love our enemies even when they are not worth it because we were not worth it too when we were loved by you first. And we are still not worth it because we are still not perfect. But your love is perfect. And you came, you died for us. You died for us and you called us friend and you died for us. So we could have life in you. And when we understand that, it is just impossible to hold it back. So just bring this understanding to our minds, to our hearts that, you know, it's just, it is impossible that we cannot hold ourselves from loving the others. Because we want to obey you.
And we want to obey you just for the same reason that women came in and did what she did. Because your love is pushing us to obey you. And what you're asking us is that, yes, we have to love you. That's the first and greatest of all. That's why we are here today. That's why we are studying your word. That's why we worship you with all of our, our voice, with all of our lungs, with all of our hearts. But also, you command us to love others. And not only the, the neighbors from the church, person sitting next to us but to love even our enemies we are we are just not able to do it but help us holy spirit holy spirit that lives in us help us do it take us from the way if needed and just do it through us because we want to be faithful to God. We want to be faithful to you, Jesus. And we want to live our lives in a way that we are bearing fruit. And not fruit that will rot. Not fruit that won't last. But fruit that will last. Will last eternally. Because we're going to meet those fruits in heaven. We're going to see those people there. People that were touched by your love, by the way we've been living our lives. And when we are in heaven, we're going to be able to see them. And they're going to be praying, saying, thank you, Lord, for his life, for her life, because... She was faithful. He was faithful to you. And so because of that, I could see your love and I could experience your love. And now I'm here in heaven with them. I want you to keep your eyes closed. And I just want to tell you uh, a wee testimony that just got put in my heart to share that with you right now. When I came to Christ... I wanted so hard my family to experience that. That one day I just got a, a DVD from the Jesus film and I was trying to share that with my young brother. And uh, I still remember that the first day that I you know, tried making him watch the movie with me. And then he said... Yeah, I'll go. Just go there. Get ready. I'll be there in a minute. And then he, he didn't show up. Then when I talked to him, he was like, oh, did you already watch it? And I said, no, no, no. I was, you know, doing something else. I also forgot. And that happened many times. Because every time that I invited him to watch with me, he would have something to do or he would just, you know, say, go ahead and I'll, I'll catch up. But wouldn't. But I waited, and I waited, and I prayed for him. Then one day he said, okay, let's, let's do it. And what an amazing day it was. Because I still remember that by the end of that movie, when it explains how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, he said, I want that. And now he is a faithful Christian. God has raised him to pray for other people, for other Christians. And the Holy Spirit's been helping him to do it because how tough it is. I haven't met as many people that would pray like he does. And I'm sure that that's the Holy Spirit holding him, keeping him to keep his ministry that is praying for others.
and how amazing it is to know that that day when the day comes and we're walking into heaven he's going to be shoulder to shoulder with me Father God, I pray for everyone here in this room today that first of all that they may experience your love. That may not may you know that 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 this stop being only words in a book. Words from the Bible that okay, yeah, I believe, I got it, but that they can really experience that. Because if they try to love others without experiencing your love they're they're not going to be able to do it really the best they're going to be able to do it it's filial like peter was doing to jesus you know with our own effort but if we love you first if we know your love your love will just pour out from from us like living waters Then loving others, we won't even have to try. We will just love. So I just pray that everyone here in this room experience your love. Do you want to experience God's love? Do you? Thank you, Father, for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.